Welcome to Reuse on Replay with the Reusable Packaging Association. I'm Tim Devis with RPA. Our podcast features experts and thought leaders from around the reusable transport packaging industry in a conversation about reuse systems for the distribution of goods in the supply chain. Today I chat with Ben Stoller, Chief Executive Officer of Paxil and the current Chairman of the Board at the Reusable Packaging Association. Ben's background in investment and finance and experience with pallet pooling offers unique perspective into both the business case and operational requirements with reusable packaging systems. His work at Paxil in bringing to market a new cutting-edge plastic pallet and his leadership at RPA provide the backdrop for our conversation into industry trends, including the impact of corporate commitments behind environmental, social, and governance standards. Thanks for listening. Well, it's terrific to be joined here today by Ben Stoller, the Global Chief Executive Officer at the Paxil Group and current Chairman of the Board of the Reusable Packaging Association. Uh, Ben, you and I talk uh, frequently about RPA affairs, our programs, how the association can best uh, support the industry and represent our members. Uh, We get a chance here to to talk a little bit deeper about uh, your experiences, your perspectives uh, about the industry what's taking place at Paxil uh, that's exciting uh, to share to our audience. Uh, So thank you very much uh, for joining uh, here today and uh, giving us a conversation uh, that we can uh, communicate to to others uh, about the great work that you're doing leading the association and throughout the industry. Great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for hosting uh, a podcast. Yeah, something we started at the end of last year and just excited to, to have the different voices and to really capture the perspectives from industry leaders. That's been a a terrific development associated where we can bring to life uh, conversations that we have quite regularly. And now other people can be privy to the uh, the information and the the great insight that's being shared. Absolutely. And uh, it really gives a uh, insight to a lot of the sidebars and conversations that happen at the table, at the different conferences we go to, as well as, uh, the different presentations we do, uh, whether it's in person or, I guess, more recently uh, via uh, uh, Teams or Skype or Zoom. Yeah, we'll have to find a way to move these conversations to, say, a happy hour, uh, and then that could be uh, much more lively as well uh, with the exchange of information. Oh, absolutely. I always enjoy a good scotch. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Ben, let's, let's start. And, and tell me a little bit about your background, maybe post-college. Uh, I'm always... Uh, had that this sharing that you and I went to Indiana University and who's your fans? Uh, but what what did you do after school and and what brought you into the reusable packaging industry? Where did you get your your start uh, working with pallets uh, and the reusable uh, you know packaging systems? Uh, sure, uh, it's it's a good story. Uh, basically, I actually went from Indiana, as as we said. I went into the pharmaceutical industry uh, doing acquisitions and mergers uh, for the second largest pharmaceutical company. Spent most of that time up in the air uh, visiting uh, possible acquisitions and and, uh, roll-ups and such uh, out of uh, New Jersey. Uh, Visited these companies, pretty much spent my time in the basement looking at ticking and tying balance sheets, income statements, cash flows, uh, making sure Hart Scott Redinos, the HSRs were correct and such. Um, spent good uh, five years doing that. Um, learned a tremendous amount. Built up a ton of miles in the air. Uh, really, uh, really fantastic experience. 
from there, I went to business school, um, got my MBA in finance, uh, and then I jumped across the river to Manhattan uh, to a, a large hedge fund, uh, coincidentally doing uh, arbitrage on pharmaceutical acquisitions. Uh, so it was a nice uh, parlay from that experience into the hedge fund industry uh, with a specialty that I just spent uh, a greater part of five years learning and working on. Uh, and from there, it was fantastic. Uh, was very successful in the hedge fund space. Uh, built up uh, quite a uh, bankroll working for there. Became head of investments uh, for that large hedge fund. Uh, and uh, ended up making some good capital and uh, ended up making my own uh, or leaving there at a very young age and opening my own hedge fund uh, with a, a partner, friend and uh, colleague and a trader, uh, my own hedge fund at a very young age. Uh, and we grew that hedge fund very successfully um, and, uh, and did quite well in that. Uh, from there, as the story continues, uh, I was able to uh, sell my interest in that hedge fund uh, in 2007, late 2007. And I always say better lucky than good. Um, uh, in fact, uh, we all know what happened in 2000, 2008, 2009 uh, when the market rolled over. Uh, so I was actually lucky to get out of uh, all of my positions and, and take some money off the table. Uh, from there, I was able to get into the private equity space and doing some roll-ups of environmentally friendly transactions uh, with a firm called Pegasus, uh, uh, which are the guys out of uh, Apollo, Craig Hogan, and uh, some other fellows, uh, Rich Weinberg and Susan Yoss and some folks. Uh, and we started looking at environmentally good transactions and such. Uh, and that led me to an investment uh, with one Bobby L., more, uh, which was IGPS. Uh, so we were actually uh, the guys who wrote the first check into IGPS uh, uh, and built the first uh, plastic pallet pool, uh, which is a rental model of uh, plastic pallets. Uh, and from there, the rest is history. Uh, from there, we built that, bought 10 million plastic pallets, uh, rented those five trips per or five movements per trip, five uh, trips per year. So the numbers times 10 million add up very quickly. The environmental savings were tremendous. Uh, just in fuel savings alone, the pallets were 35% lighter than a wood multi-use pallet. Uh, the uh, effect on the environment was fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, ended up leaving there after, what, seven, eight, nine years. Um, ended up buying uh, buying into Paxil. Uh, Paxil is the current whole one of the current holdings we have. Uh, Paxil is a uh, had a unique uh, a unique story in that it had a, a proprietary material uh, that allowed us to make plastic pallets that were uh, significantly stronger, i.e., more durable, uh, less weight, and much more cost effective than plastic alone. Uh, and that was always one of a little bit of Achilles heels in IGPS is how do we make the pallet lighter, stronger, cheaper? Uh, and uh, that was a big uh, foray for us and, and for me uh, to bring that holy grail of plastic pallets to the market uh, and then tie that to data 
which allows us to be able to uh, trace and track using blockchain. Uh, so we have an immutable record, uh, a record that uh, really uh, gives us real-time tracing and tracking and allows us to uh, tie into much bigger bigger issues. Oh, Ben, thank you. It's fantastic when you see the, the roadmap that you took, especially from the financial side. And we spend a lot of time today looking at that financial impact, uh, that return on investment, let's say. Uh, and, and more in particular, which we will talk about, uh, is the whole environmental social governments in terms of this, the investment, the ESG investment side of our business. So your experience plays real well. But your that experience at IGPS must have been an eye opener, right? Uh, you you invested in the program, you were part of that leadership team, uh, but really in looking at how you manage a pooling system and the operation requirements. I know from my experience, it, it's so important to have that that real world, uh, get your hands dirty, understand uh, you know pooling, asset management, uh, the importance of things like. Uh, pool speed and velocity and, of course, re returns in a timely manner, um, you know, there's almost been a lot of takeaways that, that you had uh, during your IGPS days that you can apply to ultimately uh, what, what you're doing with Paxil today. Um, you know, maybe share a little bit about some of the, the takeaways uh, from IGPS uh, and, and some of the things that you've learned that you find it is helpful uh, today. Yeah, definitely, Tim. Um, you know, at IGPS, we always believed we had one person at the table to experience and, and be in, in, in the trenches with management. And uh, I guess when everybody's every, – I forgot to take a step backwards. <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> took a step backwards, and I stayed on the line. Uh, so I actually moved to Orlando from New Jersey, New York, and uh, actually entrenched myself in IGPS. I lived, breathed. Uh, brewed my children, my wife, down to Orlando uh, and was in every meeting uh, from the development of the palette, from the development of the customer. I went out, I met PepsiCo, I met ConAgra, I met General Mills. Uh, I went from palette rental number one uh, to uh, palette rental number, uh, you know, 16.5% of the market share. Uh, when we got there, it was absolutely incredible. I went from Bob Moore getting Entrepreneur of the Year. Uh, we grew it, you know, up to $200 million in EBITDA in three years. Uh, it was absolutely incredible building one of the world's, you know, greatest supply chains, working with recyclers, working with incumbents, working with uh, the who's who of, of, of the supply chain and working with the large retailers from Costco to Walmart to Sam's Club to HEB, just premier, premier, uh, state-of-the-art uh, who's who providers, uh, manufacturers and retailers. It was fantastic. Uh, you cannot buy an experience like that. Uh, and then also to from the you know from the rise uh, to a little bit of the fall too when they, you know you went through the growth pains uh, and then you start to see what happened well and what did not happen well when the pool started to slow down you weren't turning at the velocity required uh, to keep it intact and you know that's really uh, right before I left I started you know kind of noticing some of that. Uh, where, you know, maybe there was some reuse being done by the retailers, which were slowing down the pool velocity and uh, and what those hardships were on the economics of the business and why it would be required to uh, tweak the business model to make sure that that wasn't happening and why the data was so important uh, because it was important because you had to be able to manage those levers appropriately. 
and having that front row seat uh, and, and driving it, it was incredible. Uh, to be able to look at the different factors from plastic pallet theft and looking at the rings of uh, the organized rings of theft uh, and being able to break them down uh, just because you could track and trace our pallet. Every one of our pallets was actually outfitted with a uh, transponder where we knew where it was using Wi-Fi, cellular, and GPS way before its time. Uh, uh, people really didn't understand that yet. And then just having all the data. I could look at whenever, at a customer's data and tell just about everything about that company. Uh, just fantastic different pieces. Uh, all right. And then how that, you know, the fuel savings, the weight savings, uh, and then how to optimize supply chain routes and such. Taking that tremendous experience and learnings that you have and now applying it to, to Paxil's business. You started talking earlier about the, the, the new pallet that, that you're developing, uh, all the, the different uh, say bells and whistles and, and the, the techniques uh, for manufacture, uh, all the properties uh, that are going to be advantageous for, for customers in the supply chain. Uh, where are you now with, with Paxil's uh, pallet? And, and what does that look like? Why is, why is the Paxil pallet standing out uh, in the marketplace uh, based on uh, you know, all the, the great ingenuity that you were able to apply to it? Yeah, absolutely. It's really uh, the cross the cross the crossing of uh, different modalities of of uh, of construction in terms of having a, our proprietary material uh, as well as the uh, modalities of uh, of injection molding with our rotational molding. Uh, it allows us to create one of the most durable, low cost, low um, uh, uh, low cost. Uh, and uh, durable and low weight plastic pallets out there. Uh, as uh, you know, and as I always uh, preach, is that's the biggest ROI on the plastic, on a pallet pool is the ability to have a underlying shared asset uh, that can continue to perform. If the asset is not performing and not in the pool, and if it's sitting outside the pool in a warehouse, to be waiting to be repaired and or cannot be repaired even worse, uh, you have a big issue. It's no longer a revenue producing asset. Uh, it just becomes a drag on the pool uh, and uh, is not uh, uh, and is not conducive to a successful business model. Uh, that's right. Uh, well, it's an amazing uh, technology and, and new product that you're bringing uh, to market. Uh, and, it, and it goes into you know, Ben, where, where we are today as an industry, uh, when you're talking about the advancements of, of innovation to reasonable packaging products and how it's enabling to create value, it's able to bring efficiencies, uh, it's driving new performances uh, in, in supply chains. Uh, so putting your let's maybe transition to the industry uh, perspective, where, where do you view the reasonable packaging industry uh, more generally globally as far as the adoption of, of reuse systems and having durability in terms of packaging products, uh, you know, be the, uh, the the growing and perhaps in the future, the dominant way in which, uh, you know, products are being uh, shipped and, and durable, rigid, uh, you know, smart packaging products. So where, where do you see the adoption of reusable systems within the broader industry? Yeah, um, I see it as really uh, our responsibility to make sure and ensure that it continues to flourish. Uh, when we look at uh, a zero carbon footprint, 
uh, and the effects of uh, the car industry. Uh, everybody in the car industry from Ford to uh, Chevrolet to Porsche, Mercedes with their new EQS to Tesla all have a zero carbon footprint goal and a vehicle, an EV vehicle. Well, at the end of the day, you know, great, that's fantastic. But are the analysis of the batteries and the production of the batteries really being accounted for correctly with the lithium ion mining? And how do you dispose of those batteries at the end of the day? Those aren't really, in my opinion, being picked up correctly. Now, if you look at the billions of pieces of reusables that are being used every day, just a fraction of those uh, being picked up uh, and being uh, of the disposables being changed to reusables make a tremendous amount of difference to the uh, to the zero carbon footprint and being able to trace and track that and or being able to identify that makes such a larger difference uh, because that's where the ozone can be really saved instead of having disposables put into landfills or fall by the wayside into the into the seas or oceans, et cetera. Uh, if you can turn those into reusables, uh, into Amazon packages or uh, just general packages, uh, you make a huge difference on, uh, on the uh, disposable waste uh, and be able to really conquer something uh, and bring uh, much more um, uh, value to a zero carbon footprint. No doubt, uh, a major trend that's taking place is companies and businesses are looking to be uh, carbon neutral, net zero with their operations. They have an opportunity with reusable packaging uh, for your, your packaging product and how you distribute goods to contribute to lower carbon out emissions, uh, lower uh, you know environmental footprints, and actually helping to achieve goals associated with uh, with climate change. To, to, and and are you, you're seeing this on the business side. Is that right, Ben? As far as you know, uh, investors that you're talking with, as far as companies and, and executive teams, there really is a, a focus on how can our operations and how can our business uh, you know help uh, contribute to, to the lowering of greenhouse gas emissions and to be more carbon neutral across our, our business do you, you see that as a major driver as far as considerations of going from say a single use packaging system to a reusable packaging model uh, absolutely absolutely uh, and it's not only in the business side it's not only b2b it's b2c uh, uh, B2C, uh, the consumers are demanding it, businesses are demanding it, you know, and the, quite frankly, the investment community is requiring it. So uh, this is really part of when we were talking earlier about my role as a chairman of the RPA and my major initiative for my uh, campaign uh, and my uh, two-year uh, role is, is really this ESG reporting and how we become a central repository of data and really create a place for companies to go to be able to uh, glean some of the uh, some of this information. Yeah, thanks, Ben. You mentioned it's kind of a behind the scenes project uh, that our board of directors is working on is to evaluate uh, how the organization, uh, the RPA, you know, can assist in measuring uh, and to uh, identifying, if not quantifying, uh, the impact that reusable packaging can have on these metrics uh, for ESG standards uh, that uh, that uh, corporations are striving to to achieve, uh, and this is something that you started last year. Now we're in the second year term, and we continue to advance 
that the associations work and and having an impact with ESG, not just outwardly as far as standard setting organizations, but inwardly as how can the association guide and provide guidance to our members about compliance and have working with their customers on on meeting uh, ESG uh, commitments. Uh, and that's something that uh, that you put on the table and you know continue to to lead uh, you know for the association and hopefully if the timeline looks right uh, we'll have some great information uh, to be able to share uh, on it uh, later this year. Yeah, a- absolutely. And you know, kind of the two areas of opportunity I believe that you know we really should bring you know to the forefront and and the leadership you know of of our RPA wanted to bring was not only the reusable packaging impact metrics on how to inform you know uh, folks of the benefit of ESG performance, uh, but also how the industry uh, can use a blueprint and, and apply those metrics to their individual companies and have that central repository available. Uh, and that creates significant value for members uh, because it really uh, helps identify, you know, and, and, and creates that footprint for, uh, for members to, to have that, uh, available information. And every day when I'm interacting with private equity companies, the KKRs, the, the APACs of the world, the Blackstones, uh, they're driving money into these initiatives, into environmental, into social, into governance. Uh, they have lots of money to deploy into these areas. Uh, because uh, you know, not only are they cap, they are they capitalists. They they are forcing to forced to become environmentalists and and meld those two together. Are you concerned about the greenwashing out there? Uh, you know, is are we in a situation where companies are starting to put their money where their mouth is? You know, they're making commitments. They're uh, they're looking at uh, you know uh, standards and and other metrics in order to help guide some of their. Uh, their behaviors, uh, their operations to to be more, say, you know, towards a carbon neutral path or to be more sustainable in terms of eliminating waste and and pollution, uh, conserving energy. Uh, But there's a question of, you know, are they going to be able to move fast enough or is the commitment going to be able to be backed up by by actions? Do you see that at all? Is it actually some real teeth to to what's taking place in terms of uh, corporations, you know, setting a path or a course of where they want to go and ultimately achieving it? Well, what a great question, Tim. Now think about a world where we can offer them the ability to do that while also saving money, right? So here's the ability to to move forward while saving money via fuel savings, via weight savings, uh, by by saving money with packaging offset cost. Uh, That's the perfect world where we can give them that ability uh, and also give them overall cost savings in their uh, in their um, in their expense line. That's the ultimate goal, and that's where we hit nirvana. Um, I don't think very many CFOs. I know mine doesn't ever want to spend money without a benefit to the organization. Uh, I have not seen uh, a CFO do that, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, the ultimate goal is to give them a overall benefit to their uh environmental scorecard as well as to their uh expense side yeah i, I think that's right uh, it, reusable packaging is really that one example where you could have both the environmental benefit and also the economic advantage right the, the value creation 
Uh, so you can you can save money, but also uh, reduce your environmental footprint uh, under the same uh, you know performance. So uh, it's great to be able to talk on both sides uh, of those benefits. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's what it, we're all about: is about how do we deliver value, and how do we deliver that value uh, with a uh, with a, a good marketing side as well, uh, and and a marketing side that makes sense, uh, and they can use it all the way through to ESG. Uh, and it's much more than marketing. It, it's it's truth in environmental savings and environmental scorecard benefit. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you then about uh, the, then the association, right? Uh, you, you've uh, been, uh, you know, on the top of the, of the chain in terms of the leadership, uh, working with our board of directors uh, halfway through your your two year term. And what do you what do you think as far as the association? Uh, what are some of the big uh, benefits that you've seen working with uh, RPA, uh, working with not only the leadership team but the members, and bringing together uh, the industry? Uh, you know, how do you think RPA is uh, impacting uh, the business uh, reasonable packaging? Well, well, you know my affinity for the RPA. You know, I've been a member now for what close to fourteen, fifteen years uh, from uh, from IGPS all the way through now through to chairman. Um, you know, I think RPA is is a fantastic organization uh, and and a great resource for folks, uh, uh, not only members uh, who are uh, in uh, reusables. Uh, but for all constituents, uh, for suppliers, um, uh, it's a great resource for uh, people who touch tangentially, tangentially the uh, packaging supply chain, uh, for transportation, for everyone, because it's a good collective organization uh, for people to be able to reach out and, and touch uh, not only the constituents, but the customer base as well. Uh, because some of the largest uh, customers in the space are members uh, when you look at the, at the big guys. Uh, but they're also suppliers and they're also uh, uh, producers. Uh, so you get such a great swath of people uh, that you're talking to and, and interacting with on a daily basis. I mean, I just look at, at my, uh, at my uh, cohorts, at uh, my vice chairman, my secretary, my treasurer, Everyone is such great uh, resources with great companies and backgrounds. And I look at the membership basis when we walk at the conferences uh, and or have our annual meetings, uh, just fantastic people that if I need a resource, uh, I, I, I have people to call and, and easy accessibility. Yeah, thanks. A uh, little bit of a softball question uh, there is you, you and I are both fans, of course, the, the work we're doing at the, the association and we continue to be excited about the, the opportunities that lie ahead for our industry. And of course, uh, the role that RPA plays. I'd like to at least finish uh, the conversation here, Ben, looking ahead. And I I hate to be in the prediction the business. I mean, who would have thought the last two years uh, would have really reshaped uh, economies and, uh, and, and businesses the way it has. Uh, but where, where do you see the, the reusable packaging industry, uh, maybe say five years uh, from now, uh, and the value creation, the, the technology uh, performance, uh, you know, the way that the corporations are, are changing to be more resilient uh, in their supply chains. Uh, do you have a thought as far as a directionally about the reusable packaging industry and, and perhaps some of the major trends that will be shaped uh, within uh, our, our industry over the next few years? Yeah, you know, it's, that's funny. It's um, 
I just got back from uh, a, a conference out at uh, Monterey, California, a little place called Pebble Beach. Uh, you may have heard of it. Um, a beautiful uh, place. And there was a conference and we we're discussing data. Uh, and I'm such a large proponent of data and being able to harness the data that comes out of reusables uh, and not only harness that data, but glean the seemingly uncorrelated pieces of data and run them through the algorithms and correlate that data and show us exactly how to how to where the change needs to be made uh, to get those savings and effectuate a good business practice uh, to improve the supply chain uh, to make it much more uh, beneficial to uh cost savings fuel savings uh and to the environment i think that's going to be a huge driver in the next five years uh and that metadata uh that dynamic uh ability to have uh change on the fly uh, when the data says so is, is going to be very very big and that frankly the companies who have the ability to to do that is going to be is going to be uh, are going to be very successful and really that's a big push for us at paxel uh, you know, Paxil, everyone says, hey, Paxil is a, a pallet manufacturer. We're so much more than a plastic pallet manufacturer. Uh, we do make a lot of plastic pallets in the Middle East. We make, uh, we're, as, as we said earlier, our big launch of the multi-purpose plastic pallet here in the States uh, is very close in August, uh, where our run rate is going to be significant and working with some of the best uh, uh, customers here in the, in the States. Uh, but, you know, our underlying tracing and tracking technology using blockchain uh, and the algorithms and such that we use uh, is so much more advanced uh, than uh, just a, a manufacturer. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, that's where I believe the next five years will take us uh, and, and really take the packaging industry uh, because uh if we don't have that data and if we're not able to make those changes, uh, then um, uh, we won't be able to deliver uh, on what our customers and constituents uh, uh, demand of us. Well, the future is bright uh, and you sound like a technologist. Uh, uh, so I, I definitely think there's there's so much uh, potential and really appreciate you taking time here, uh, Ben, to you know share your views and and certainly provide uh, you know your experiences uh, to our audience. Uh, it's a different path. We all have uh, different backgrounds and and how we've uh, ended up in the reusable packaging. But you can see from uh, your financial experiences and background, and 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 certainly within the industry at, at, uh, at pallet pooling, and and how you've been able to bring all that together with your your venture here with uh, with Paxil. It's an exciting time, and and I you know thank you for again your your work in a, uh, at the association and, and certainly leadership at RPA. Uh, very much appreciated and uh, look forward to seeing the exciting things that you're able to accomplish uh, here in year two of your, your term. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. We always, uh, I always appreciate you and everything you do for RPA. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next year and, uh, and uh, even uh, past that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thanks, Ben.